This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Be turning in your Bibles to Romans, the 16th chapter. Romans, the 16th chapter, verse 20. And there's a word in this, in the King James. It's another word if you look at the New King James. Well, I'll mention that in a moment after he reads it. Romans 16, 20, Nathan. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. All right. He, he, he mentioned the word crush. You read that out of the King James. It said he will bruise him. We won't talk about bruising the devil tonight. We'd like to give him a black eye. Uh, Satan is real. Some would tell us that Satan is a myth. That it's, uh, it's some kind of a relic from the past. And the picture that some paint of, of the devil is in a red suit. He's got horns and he's got a forked tail. And he's got a pitchfork in his hand. How did they get that? experience and observation tell us that there's a f evil out in the world. If there's no devil, if there's no evil force in the world, who's behind all of the suffering and the pain in this world? Who is it that is behind all of the corruption that's in our world today? And, and so just the fact that we observe that he's left his evidence behind everywhere he goes. 
But another reason I believe Satan is real is because the credibility of the Bible is at stake here. If the Bible is true, Satan is real. Because the Bible says he is. Jesus said, uh, if Satan cast out Satan, then he is divided against himself. How, should, how will his kingdom stand? Matthew 12, 26. In Matthew chapter 4, we're told, verse 1, that Jesus was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, uh, uh, rather verse 20, he said, no, verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. The devil is real because the Bible pictures him as being real. Uh, Peter in 1 Peter 5 and 8 said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, eat up. Satan is real. And he, is, he has one goal, one goal only, uh, and that is to get as many human beings as he can to be where he's going to be on throughout all eternity. Hell originally was not prepared for man. It was prepared for the devil. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, Depart from me, cursed, and the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So in 2 Peter 2, verse 4, talks about Satan being cast into, into a place of darkness to await the day of judgment. He, he is it. Hell was prepared for the devil. Satan, it appears from Scripture, originally was in heaven. In Luke 10 and 18, Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And he was cast out of heaven. Uh, there's a statement made in giving the qualifications of an elder in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, about Satan. And it is a negative qualification. And that qu negative qualification for, the, for an elder is not a novice. That means one new in the faith. Lest being tempted, he fall into the condemnation of Satan. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. It seems as though pride of some sort was a part of Satan's fall. He wanted to lift himself up against God. And he was cast out of heaven. And he's doing everything he can to get us. Now, he has a family, Satan. We need to understand that faith, Satan has a family, and he's the father of it. Uh, we don't think about that sometimes, but he has a big family, large family. John 8, 44, Jesus said, you, and he was speaking to some of the Jewish rulers, he said, you are of your father, the devil. And so Satan is a, has a family, and he's a Unfortunately, he's got a pretty good-sized family. And Satan is very active in his pursuit for mankind. Uh, Jesus, in Luke, the 22nd chapter, was talking, about, was talking to Peter. And that's his verse 31 and 32, Luke 22. He, he said, Simon, Simon, that's, 
That's the way my mother used to do when she wanted me. And she would repeat my name twice. And when she did, I knew I was in big trouble. So Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And he's, had, he's got a lot of sacks of wheat, doesn't he? Because he's still sifting us. He's after us. And that, that he's, he's got his t eye on each and every one of us. Now, Nathan over here, Nathan, not Satan, Nathan read about Satan in Romans 16, 20. The Lord said, it won't be long, you're going to crush the devil under your feet. In Genesis 3, 15, I want to connect, I'm connecting some dots now, okay? In Genesis 3, 15, the Lord said to Satan, this is what he said to Satan in the beginning, I will put enmity, that's hatred, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, the seed of the woman. It was just to be the seed of the woman without the seed of man or the agency of man being involved. I believe with all of my heart and soul that's a promise of the virgin birth of Jesus. But let me finish the verse. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed, he, look at that, he, this is going to be a male child that will do this. He shall bruise your what? Head. If you want to kill a snake, where you, where you, where you better hit him? In the head. You better, you better get his head if you want to kill a snake. You hit him on the tail, he'll come back and get you. Hit him on the head. And then he and you shall bruise his, and if you look in your New King James, the word his is capitalized. This is a person. It's a man. He, he, will, you will bruise his heel. When Jesus died on the cross, it was not a mortal wound when he died on that cross. And, and you can have your heel bruised, you keep on living. But you want to kill a snake, you hit him in the head. And when Jesus died on the cross, he had entered into the strong man's house and he came forth with his goods. He entered into the domain of hell or Hades, Revelation 1.18, and he came forth with the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand. He defeated the devil. The day that Jesus died on the cross and the day Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God is the day death died and Satan was defeated. He's defeated tonight. And we want to keep defeating him, don't we? So I want us to talk about some ways, some things that we can do in our individual lives to keep on bruising the devil. Okay? So let's look at number one. And number one, we need to stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. In the 119th Psalm, and some of you are taking notes, put down verses 9 through 11. But in those three verses, this is one of the things that has said. Thy word is, uh, uh, rather, he says, uh, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a person live a clean life? By taking heed to what? The Word of God. Uh, and I've illustrated it with an imaginary wastebasket. 
You see it in my hands? What if I told you I was going to fill it full of water? You'd say you're crazy because the water would go out fast as you'd put it in, wouldn't it? And, but I'll tell you what I'd have. I'd have a clean basket. Now, we can take the word of God. I don't remember, contrary to public thought sometimes, but I don't remember everything I read. I, I, I've, I've forgotten about as much as I have remembered. And, but I'll tell you what you do when you read the Bible. You see, the Bible is pure, isn't it? It's the pure word of God. So you take the pure word of God and you filter that through your mind. So what kind of mind you're going to have, Barry? You're going to have a pure mind, aren't you? So we've got to stay in the word. That's our greatest defense against Satan. One of them is the staying in the Bible. And, and then a second thing we need to do is we need to spend more time in prayer. Uh, the, someone said the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. It scares him to death when he sees us praying. And, and we are to in, be in constant prayer. Uh, this is your memory verse for, for the week. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's just three words, so I know you can remember it. Pray with what? Without what? Ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I don't think he means you go around like this all the time. It's repeating prayers all the time, uh, like the hypocrites on the street corners. But we need to live a, a prayer ought to be our lifestyle. It's as much a part of our lives as breathing. And we can't live without breathing, and we can't live the Christian life without prayer. Someone said that one week, W-E-E-K, without prayer makes one week, W-E-A-K. And so one of the ways that we bruise the devil is we need to spend an awful lot of time on our knees. Then here's a third observation. We need to go to the house of the Lord. That's where you are tonight. Now, I'm not talking about a building. Now, in the Old Testament, when they talked about going to the Lord's house, they did talk about going to the building, to, to the temple. And, uh, but but the, this, this building, we used to call them the meeting house because that's what it was, wasn't it? Just a house to meet in. I've said many times we could meet out here under one of these pecan trees and worship just as well as we can worship in here. But frankly, <laughs> especially today, I'm so glad to be inside a building where we've got the air conditioning, aren't you? It's been a hot one. Last night when I stood up to preach, well, I sat down to preach. They put a little old pew, one of those, you know, those one about this long. They put it up front for me to sit on. I said, I said, you know, I'm not hurting tonight, and so I'm going to sit down so that when I stand back up, I won't be hurting tonight. And I looked out over the audience last night. I said, I noticed that I'm the only one with a coat on. So I took my coat off, laid it down. I said, I also notice I'm the only one has got a tie on. So I took my tie off and I laid it down. So it was hot yesterday up in the country, and it's been hot here today. But we need, we, I'm glad we have buildings like this to meet in. But the church is God's house. And it's God's house, and Ray's going to talk about this when he talks about worship. He and I were discussing this some uh, this week. 
about the church comes together. Think about that word together. I challenge you to find how many times that word is found in the New Testament as it relates to God's people coming together. When you are come together and we come together to worship, you are never closer to God than when you come together to worship. Now, I'm not suggesting we're not close to God when we leave, but you're never any closer to God. Jesus said, where are two or three are what? Gathered what? Together. (laughs) See, there's one of those words. In my name, there am I where? In the midst of them. He's here tonight, but we don't see him. We see him with our faith. And so we are never closer to the Lord than when we come together to worship. David said in the 122nd Psalm, verse 1, I was glad, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. He didn't say I was mad. He said I was glad when they said, let us go. You can ask some people to attend a worship service, they get all upset with you, you know. They don't have that same attitude. This is a matter of attitude. really is. And so we need to come to the house of the Lord. You know, you, you, you become like what you worship. There are a lot of Elvis imitators. Did you know that? And I'm not one of them. However, there is a man by the name of Billy Lambert down around Orlando who was an Elvis imitator. Now, they may imitate him, try to imitate him, but they'll never be like him, I don't believe. But we, we work, they, they try to be like him. They try to imitate him because they, they, I think they actually worship the man. I think they worship his music, and they want to sound like him. They fix the hair up, look stupid to me, and they put on clothes, try to look like him. You become like what you worship. You become like what you worship. If you worship some one of those ungodly people out in Hollywood, if you if you worship if you worship them long enough, you're going to become like them. Now you won't be them, but you will try to be like them. And when we come together to worship, we go, we worship God. And and so if we want to bruise the old devil, we need to make it a habit, a practice a continual practice of coming together when the house of God, which is called the church in 1 Timothy 3.15, when the church, the house of God, comes together to worship. It will help us give him a black eye. Now here's another thing we can do to get to bruise the old devil. We need to put up a fight. Now, you know, James says, if we resist the devil, what will he do? What will he do, Ed? He'll flee. He's a coward. He is a coward. If you resist him, he says, but then he says, James also says, if you draw near to God, what will God do? He'll draw near to you. And so if we put up a fight, we got to put up a fight. You know, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, Down about verse number 10. Paul said, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his what? Might. In the power of his might. 
Our God is a God of might. I don't think we can be even begin to grasp the might and the power of our God. He said, put on the whole armor of God. Not pieces of it, but the whole thing. And we're going to talk about that in a moment, what the armor is. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, be able to stand, not lay down like a whimpering coward, but that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles, W-I-L-E-S, the tricks, the schemes of the devil. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody on planet earth could understand that we're not the enemy? We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not the one that we ought to be fighting with. We've got a supernatural enemy. We've got an enemy we can't see with the physical eye, but we see the evidence of all of his work in our world. Some of the things that Tucker, uh, 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 he did our devotional tonight. <laughs> Hunter, Hunter, Hunter said tonight in the devotional is evidence of, his, uh, of the work in this world today. And so we need to put up a fight against the devil. Now, let me mention what the things that are parts of that armor. Uh, Nathan knows all of this. Nathan, turn to Ephesians 6, and I want you to start reading about verse number uh, 13. Ephesians 6, 13. Mm-hmm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of, armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the, evil, uh, in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, then in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, thank you. Now, think about the pieces of armor, and think about your body, what is the only piece on the part of your body that's not protected? What part? Your back. There's no piece of armor for your back. Why? Why do you suppose there's no piece of armor for your back? Why? Why, Barry? You don't turn your back on the devil. Because you turn, you turn your back on the devil. He's got you. He's got you. So we got to put up a fight. Put up a fight. Uh, somebody says, well, you know, I, I just don't, I'm not a fighter. I just don't like to rock the boat. I don't like to rock the boat. Uh... You better. 
because you're going to drown if you don't do something about it. Let's look at another thing we can do to bruise the old devil. We need to associate with good people, godly people, like y'all. See? I'd rather be around Christians than anybody I know. Because I, I, I know that I'm with people that believe in God, believe in Jesus, and believe in the Bible, believe in, believe in what the Bible says. And it, don't you just feel more comfortable? And I'm not saying that we don't associate with people. Some of my best friends are not Christians. We, we, need, we need to associate with good people. But when you are in, this is something they'd be telling the kids, when you get in the wrong crowd, what's going to happen? According to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Tell us, evil, what? Companionship does what? Corrupts what? Good what? What, Hazel? Morals. You get in the wrong company. You ever heard the old expression, birds of a feather do what? They flock together. That's why, that's why the Bible teaches that we need to be careful of the people with whom we associate. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10 teaches that. My son, if sinners entice you, consent not. Just don't consent. Oh, come on. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's not doing it. All right, now here's, what, here's where we're going to, Nathan, get ready. We're going to have some discussion. Look at the next one. Here's how we're going to bruise the devil. You got to keep your head, look at, your head on straight. Keep your head on straight. All right, uh, Nathan, read again, 1 Peter 5 and 8. First Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All right, now let's think about it. Let's talk about it, okay? All right. This is telling us we better keep our head on straight. Do you see it? Or am I just stretching it a little bit to make it say that? I think it's what it says. You better... Keep your head on straight. He said, uh, and I think it's talking about having being balanced in your thinking. He says, what's the first word? Sober. What does that mean? Anybody? That you hadn't had a filth of whiskey? Is that what it means? Pardon, Crystal? Fair-minded, fair-minded. Clear-minded, clear-minded. Uh, uh, he says, be sober, be level-headed. Learn to be level-headed. Uh, then what's the next word he uses? Tell us, this, is, this is what he's telling us to do, okay? How, how are we going to keep our head on straight? What's the next word, anybody? Vigilant, what does that mean, Vigilant. Steadfast, be vigilant. Uh, 
on guard. Yeah, be on guard, be watchful. Uh, and then what is, what, is, what, is, what is the devil called in this verse? Our what? Our, what's your adversary? The enemy. He, the devil is not your friend. He is not your friend. I told Louis on the way out the door to come to Bible study, I said, I believe the devil goes after preachers more than he does anybody else. I really do. I think he goes after preachers. But he does because he doesn't want them preaching. And there have been a lot to have fought, to, that have fallen prey to his schemes, unfortunately. Some of it has been through immorality. Some of it has been through doctrinal error. Lots of other ways that he goes after preachers. And then he says that what kind of an animal is he betrayed as? A roaring lion. I don't exactly have, we've got four kittens, big kittens, cats, and we have two little kittens. Now we did have six little kittens, but we're down to two little kittens. I think the some of the buzzards around get them and other things get them, but we won't go there. We, at one point, just recently, we had a total of 11. <laughs> Let's see, no, 10, 10. But we're down to just uh, six now. And the last time I looked at them, they was laying out on the patio out there on the back, sleeping. But when I get up in the morning, and I walk out there. Those cats are clawing the door. Why are they clawing the door? What do they want? What do you think they want? They want to get fed. Why is the devil roaring? He's hungry. He's hungry. He's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking. That tells me he's on the prowl and he wants to devour people. And that means he wants to eat us up. He wants us as his meal. And if we don't keep a level head, he'll get us for supper. All right, now let's have a little discussion about where we, what, what we've talked about. I've got some other things here that, uh, that we can talk about. I think this is a good, we've got about 12 minutes left. And so let's, anybody have anything they want to contribute uh, to how we, can, how we can brew Satan or defeat him in our lives? Anybody got anything you want to say? Nobody? Nathan's got the microphone. If I turn him loose, we won't have enough time for him to talk. But Crystal wants to say something in the back. We're fighting the devil. How do we defeat him? We can, we can find one little deal tonight to help us. We're in good shape. Um, by guarding our hearts and our minds. Right. 
That's the Guard first your thing. heart and your mind. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by keeping thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's Psalms 119. All right. <laughs> this is the whisper. Brother Billy, right? he, this he, is the whisper, all right. <laughs> not only does he want to destroy you, he wants to keep you scared. Now, that's one of the reasons you see a lion. He's, you walk up and you see a lion that's not roaring, you think it's tame. But if it's roaring, it makes you fearful. And the Lord don't want us fearful of Satan. He wants us, he's done been defeated. If we just look unto him and keep our hearts and our minds pure and clean, we got nothing to fear. There's nothing he can do to us. He can try all he wants, but there's nothing he can do. He proved that with Peter. Mm -hmm. He proved that so many times over it ain't even funny uh, as far as that goes. But not only does he want to devour, he wants to keep you scared. Because if he can get you scared, he can keep you off track and trip you up some way mm -hmm. that it might cause harm to somebody else, not just to yourself. That, that's what I see in that. As much as I do see him trying to devour us, I see him trying to keep us scared. Okay. And we got nothing to fear uh, from Satan himself. Right. I, I want to, one of the latest, if you will, turn to Revelation chapter 12, and I want you to read verse 11, because this tells us how Satan is defeated. Satan was defeated at the cross. 1 John 3, 8 says, Whosoever sinneth, whoever sins is of the devil. If you're a sinner, you're of the devil. You're one of his children, okay? For the devil sinneth from the beginning, and for this cause God manifest his Son, sent his Son into the world. Why? That he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came into this world to destroy the works of the devil. But he, buddy, he's working overtime in America right now, isn't he? He. But we ought not be afraid of him because of the cross. Who, who, which one of the ladies has got that? Now, wait a minute. Well, no, no, wait. You've got to have the microphone. Hey, you got, they can't hear you. They can't hear you whispering. She's a whisperer. Now, wait a minute. Wait, by the wait. blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So they overcame him how? By the what? By the blood of the Lamb. You see, Jesus Christ died to defeat the works of the devil. And we are not his children. We're not his children. We're children of the Lord tonight. We're children of God tonight. And we don't serve the devil. So we need to keep our heads on straight. And then I have one other point. Well, I actually have two more if we have the time. We need to walk with God each day. Enoch walked with God. That suggests that he walked in fellowship with God or a communion with God. He walked with God. And uh, we are to walk with God, uh, just like Enoch did. We, we can walk, we're, as a matter of fact, we walk by what and not by what? We walk by faith and not by sight. So walking by faith and we walk with God every day of our lives. I, I want to suggest three things. This is so simple. 
that I believe that we can use in our Christian life every day so that we can know we're trying to walk with God. And walking with God is not always easy, is it? It's not a rose garden to walk with God. I think we can walk with God every day if we let God talk to us every day. Now, don't expect God to come down and some small, still voice in your bedroom one night. That ain't going to happen. How does God talk to us every day, Rick? You hear me, Rick? How does he talk to us every day? When we study this book, when we read this book, God is talking to us every day. So we ought to be a diligent student of the Bible, shouldn't we? Secondly, it helps us to walk with God every day. If, if we let God talk to us, then what the next do we need to do? We need to talk to God every day. And that's what, Barry? Prayer. We need to pray to God. We need to be a people of prayer. And I believe, I believe that there are, some, there are people in this, I think this is a church of prayer. We've always believed in it here. And, and, and I, I hope to live long enough, might not, knowing how old I am right now, but I, I'd like to live long enough that the people in the community here in Somerdale go around saying, you know, I said, pray in this bunch of folks over there at the Somerdale Church of Christ you'll find anywhere. Usually, and we people describe the Church of Christ and say, well, that's the people really know the Bible. Now, I think that's a wonderful compliment that people think we know the Bible. And I've talked to people here in town around that they, they will believe that. But I would like for them to say also that we are people that believe in the power of prayer. And I think we do. We just don't go out shouting it from the rooftop. Uh, Jesus taught, taught against doing that, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 6. But we need to let God talk to us every day. Or let's talk to God every day. Well, what's a third thing we can do to, to, to say that we're walking with God every day? What about us trying to talk to somebody else about God, about God every day? And I don't mean preaching of a sermon. I, I just, just, just maybe, maybe it's a kind word. Maybe saying something nice and, and, and I, I represent the Lord in a, every day of our lives before our fellow man, people you work with. And, uh, Sometimes that's not easy. I, I worked at the International Paper before I went off to college. And you, you're talking about working with a rough bunch of buzzards. I, I was a rough bunch of buzzards. They'd brag about how many children they had, about a number of different women all over town. And they was going home to get out and go drunk. And they arrested one of them one day, came in there, arrested a boy, took him to jail. He had killed a man with a hammer, broke, broke in the the bowling alley and killed a man with a hammer. And the thing about it, I went to high school with that guy. And, uh, but uh, you see, uh, we, we can't associate with the world and be strong Christians. We, we've got to learn to, 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 to represent Christ every day. Well, I'd read my Bible every day. If when they had smoked the cigarettes at the break, 
when I was at the paper mill. I, I carried a little old New Testament in pocket, and I'd get it off over in the corner, and I'd read it. You know my nickname? You know what they call me? The goody-goody boy. I wore it as a badge of honor. I wore it as a badge of honor. The goody-goody boy. They just didn't know me. Oh, they wouldn't have said that. But, but I was trying. I was about 18 years old. And I was trying to serve the Lord. But I had a long, long way to go. And now that's been a few years back. I still have a long way to go. Still, I'm just a work in progress, folks. Now let's look at the last, that was the five-minute bail. Is that what that was? I thought it was a ten-minute bail. If we want to bruise the devil, just kneel at the foot of the cross. Kneel at the foot of the cross. And Jesus conquered him. I read this somewhere. And it kind of stuck with me as a book I was reading. And I, it was not written by a member of the church. As a matter of fact, and it was a, but it was a religious book. It was written by a woman. I don't care who wrote it. I think it was exactly right. Christians are not fighting Satan from a posture of defeat. We fight Satan from a posture of victory because the victory is won. If you study the book of Revelation, that's the, the, the theme throughout that book, victory in Jesus. These people were persecuted. Some of them were killed because of their faith in Christ. And in the, for example, in the sixth chapter, John said, verse sixth chapter, verse nine, I believe it is, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. What did he see? I said, I saw souls, and they are crying out, "How long is it, Lord, before you're going to, you know, take vengeance and 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 take vengeance on our enemy?" They're in the posture of defeat, but you come to chapter 20 and they're posture of victory. They're victorious in Jesus, and we are. And if you've read the last chapter in this book, and the last word in this book, I know that in a lot of ways, Christians today have their backs up against the wall, don't we? From the standpoint of our culture today, that is, if you listen to all the stuff you hear, that we are an uh, outdated, unwanted species because we're Christians. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is my last word, and I'm going to let somebody you close it out. We win. We win. Isn't it nice to be in a situation you already know what the outcome is going to be? Uh, we can giggle about that. We can have a good old belly laugh over that. 
They can fight us. They can curse us. They can despise us. They can hate us. They can try to kill us. But we win. Let me tell you. A preacher friend of mine called me. We were talking on the telephone. And when I get with him, I go sit down somewhere because it's usually over an hour. And he was telling me about believers in foreign countries. He's got a video on it and he's wanting me to see it and I do want to see it. And he said the video is showing how believers in other parts of the world, people that believe in God, believe in Jesus, believe in the Holy Spirit, they believe the Bible, they believe in the cross, and they're being killed because they do. And if you will renounce your faith, they'll let you live. But so many of them refuse to renounce. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a thousand years ago. I'm talking about now. And so from that standpoint, we got pretty good, don't we, in America. But we cannot take anything for granted. But we know we win.